The following For the City sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. All right. Hey, so let's look. We're going to look at this first little section, Luke 12, 35 through 40. Ryan did a great job of reading it. I just want to make sure that we look at it because that's where we're going to be working here at first. So Jesus says, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and he will serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man, for he is coming at an hour you do not expect. All right. So we, many of us just were at a wedding last night. There was a big celebration, right? We had Emily and Nadu, and they got married. And our party did not go on for, the, for days, right? Because, well, we, many of us had to be here today, and we had some different things to do, right? But it was a celebration nonetheless. But know this, a, a Hebrew wedding celebration would absolutely last several days. I think we could learn a couple of things here, right? Um, the time of the master's return to the house, though, it was anyone's guess because they didn't know exactly when this celebration would end. However, that uncertainty did not put off these, these servants. These are some good servants here, right? Though it was late at night, maybe it was early in the morning. Notice that this parable is saying, stay dressed for action. Be ready, right? That's the whole emphasis on this text. Be ready for my return. That not only you know, reminded them to be ready for daytime, but at night they should have their, their, their uh, loins girded up. That's language we do not use, right? But if you could imagine a big robe, right? And you got this big belt and you tuck that thing in there. It's like kind of rolling up your sleeves. Let's get ready for some action. That's the emphasis that Jesus is putting in this parable, right? The picture laid out here is the arrival would take place probably in the middle of the night or early in the morning at daybreak. So this is a good party. It lasted days, right? Everybody's kind of coming in after this big celebration. And, and the master wants the house to anticipate the arrival, right? This was before uh, phones, Life 360, text messaging, right? I know lots of moms, man, they look at that Life 360, where's my kid now, man? Imagine, there was a day that thing didn't exist. That was your mom? All right, Gabe. Yeah, she loves you, and she just wants to keep track of you, right? But, but people are always wanting to know where everyone's at. Are you here? How about in five minutes? When are you arriving? Are you coming in an hour? That did not happen in that day, and so they had to be ready. They had to keep making sure they would take shifts to make sure that when the master arrived, they could welcome, right? Before he even gets the hand on the door to knock, they're opening the door and they're saying, welcome home. We've been good house managers, right? Um, my wife and my daughter and I, we went on vacation this year and we had a great house manager. We came home, the dog was fed, everything I think might have been cleaner than when we even left. And not only that, we had flowers and cookies waiting for us. <laughs> 
I mean, seriously, it was, it was a beautiful thing to come home to. It was a wonderful thing to be able to know that we could leave for a week and, and that things were not only going to be cared for, but, but actually just the thoughtfulness. Right? Think about that as the return home. Don't you want that? Right? You don't want it like, like when my parents came home and I was a teenager. I will not go into details, but we needed a construction worker to help with a door. I wish I was lying. It was bad, right? Um, they were not pleased to come home early from that vacation. Now, I was not a good house sitter. I probably needed a sitter. But that's not how Jesus' people are to await his return. Notice this, this picture is how Jesus are to anticipate him. Awake, alert, filled with joyous anticipation. The master's return will be good for the servants who are caught being faithful. You want to be caught being faithful. You want to be caught loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You want to be caught serving. Not so that you can get love, but because you are loved. You, you want to be caught being hospitable, inviting people into your home, not only to tell them the good news of Jesus, yes, but to just give them a meal. There are so many people who are isolated and lonely, and we want to be a people who are caught ready, right? Full of faith, full of love, with anticipation for our master to return. This is the picture. So Peter, he said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? This is a good question, right? He's like, so, is this for like the 12? Is this for all the disciples? Is this for the crowd? Now, Jesus, it would be really nice if he would just answer very succinctly that question. But he doesn't. Look what he says. And the Lord said, who then is faithful and wise manager? Who will his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Well, thanks, Jesus. That really doesn't answer the question, does it? Peter's like, is it us? Do we need to focus on what you're saying? Is it the disciples? The crowds? Who are you talking to, Jesus? And he kind of gives this like very... Uh, it's not all that helpful, right? To be sure, we, we don't have all the answers to who it's for. So I'm going to tell you primarily as I look at the text, I think it's absolutely for the apostles and the disciples, but I think the truths here extend to anyone who trusts and believes in Jesus Christ. But I think it has an emphasis on leaders, on those who are entrusted with God's church, and I think you'll see why. But then you're like, oh, good, I can tune out and take a nap. It's not about me. I would not go that far. I wouldn't go that far because we don't know. It's not explicit. So what does Jesus mean? Well, he goes on and he gives a contrast. And here's the contrast. There's three unfaithful servants that he's going to mention. So he just gave a picture of the beauty of what it looks like to be a servant who's ready. Or a church who's ready, right? Anticipating Jesus' return. But now he gives a, a, a contrast to that. Look at verse 45 through 48 with me. He said, But if that servant says to himself, my, my master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And in an hour he does not know, and he will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Well, that's not a pleasant little picture, is it? Um, cut into pieces. I think it's much more metaphorical. He's a divided man. He's, he's not, his heart's not for his master. He's divided, so he's just going to prove that he's divided. And he's going to cut him in half, and he's going to put him with the unbelievers. So this picture, I think, here is of someone who's not for Jesus. I think Judas is a good idea here as we think about what that looks like, right? He's talking to the 12, and, and Judas is going to betray Jesus, and he's saying, some of you are not going to be awake. Some of you are not going to be alert. Here's what happens when that moment comes. But then he goes on, and that servant who knew his master's will, but, not, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. Now, now who's this? I, I actually think this person's a genuine servant, but they're probably going to be stripped of the rewards uh, that Jesus is talking about, right? They're going to get in, as Paul would say, by fire alone. All the rewards, all the stubble, all the things is going to be burned up, and, and salvation is going to be given to you, but you are unfaithful, but my faithfulness brought you in, right? I think that's the picture that we get here. And then he gives another one, right? And so who, who might that be? There might be some disciples in the crowd who trust and believe in Jesus for salvation, know exactly what it is he desires for them to do and not do it. Know that they were called to love the Lord, their God, with their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love their neighbor as themselves to teach the Word of God, to receive the Word of God, to be transformed by the Word of God. They know the will, and they say, I love Jesus, but man, I'm just so excited about all these other things. Remember, don't forget the context that we're in. That's exactly what Jesus has been talking about, is people who are not finding their treasure in Christ, but trying to find treasure in all the things, right? So then he gives this other picture, though right? But the one who did not know, meaning know his will, and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. So once again, I think this is a genuine servant, but they're ignorant of a lot of things. They lack discipleship. They just lack discipleship. They, they, they really are honestly worshiping the Lord, but they don't know all the different things he's calling them for, and so they lack discipleship, and so they are genuine, but they're ignorant. Okay, we don't want to be that. We want, we want to be, by God's grace, the people who are alert, awake, ready, anticipating the king's return. So then he says this, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Well, I got to tell you, uh, as a Christian living in 2023, we have so much. Let's say as a Christian living in America, think about it. We have the written word. Um, we have the written word in so many different translations, right? You can have it on your phone. You, you probably have more than one Bible in your home. Uh, you, you have access to great Bible teachers and preachers online. You can listen to podcasts 24-7 and learn, learn, learn all these different things. The mystery of the gospel has been revealed. And, and yet, so we have a lot. We, we have more than the disciples had at that time. And so if that's true, if what Jesus is saying is true, and I'm saying 
it is, because the Word of God is true, then, man, we should be alert to the life that God's calling us to live. Uh, we may not have all our, our questions answered. However, the meaning of these parables are vividly clear. That following his crucifixion, right, and resurrection, Jesus is going to ascend to the Father. And, and, and here's the thing. For some time, how long? I don't know. But it's been 2,000-some years since that moment, right? And so it'd be real easy to kind of get sleepy-eyed. It'd be real easy to just be like, I don't know if he's coming back, but he's surely not coming back today. And just kind of nap through life. Just wait till Jesus returns, or I don't know if he's coming back. So when I die, and I'll just get, you know, all the goodies. And, and he's saying, no, because when he comes back, he's coming to bring judgment. This is a judgment text, okay? Now, when we think judgment, we always think, oh, oh that's bad. But, but actually, it's judgment for those who are believing in Jesus Christ. They receive blessings. They're faithful stewards. It's a good day. It's a great day when Jesus returns and you're trusting and believing in him alone for your salvation. It is a bad day when, when you are not trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation. So when he comes, he's bringing judgment, blessings for those who are faithful, judgment and, and discipline, and even hell eternal for those who are unfaithful and not trusting in Jesus Christ. So, so think about it. Knowledge of the future changes the way that we live in the present. Doesn't it? I mean, just think about your own life, right? If you knew that a thief was coming to your house Tuesday night at 1130. Now, each of you are going to handle that a little different, right? Um, some of you are just going to get all your valuables and you're leaving. Some of you are like, not on my watch, right? And you're like, I've been waiting for this day your whole life, <laughs> which that's strange and you should probably repent. Um, but, right, like some of you might be really anxious. You're going to call the police and you're going to be like, oh, I got some news. You're going to want to come. But you're going to be very alert. In the same way, since we've been forewarned that Jesus will return at a time we don't expect him, we ought to take appropriate measures to be ready. This is what those who are seeking the reward of Christ do. This is why, but here's the thing, this is why we should be extremely anxious for his return. Now you hear that, depending how you hear that, one of two ways. But I mean anxious in a good way. Why? Because I'm not detaching this from the rest of the scripture that we've been looking at for the last four Sundays, right? Don't isolate this text. Just above it, if you remember, Jesus said these words. He said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you remember that? I remember that. It certainly has informed my thinking all week. He delights to give the kingdom, He's not like, you better make sure you're awake so when I come back, I don't give you a... No, he's saying, listen, consider the ravens. Consider the lilies. Don't you want them to come back? I mean, that, that's the point of the text, right? This beautiful truth. I mean, before I move on, listen, little flock. To be awake is to, to mean that you, that you are loved in Christ. That's what it means to be awake. 
Oh, so many times you hear this sermon preached, and it's a good, it's a good you know, rib kicker. You walk out feeling all defeated and bad. And, and man, some reason, people love preaching like that. I don't understand it. It never motivates real heart obedience. It, it, at best, it's behavioral modification. At worst, you're like, peace out. <laughs> Just out. It's not, it's not what's happening here. He says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Be ready. Be ready for when I return. Right? This is the heart. This beautiful truth ought to free us up to stay dressed. It ought to free us up to keep our lamps burning. I mean, it's strange language. Keep the light on, right? I don't know what hotel that is, but we'll keep the light on for you. For Jesus, who is our treasure, who's our joy, he's where our delight is found. Therefore, we do not need to attempt to store up treasure here because we think that this is where we'll live forever and that this is the life we'll have forever. This ought to free us up from the coveting that Jesus has been talking about since verse 1 of chapter 12. He's saying, worship me. Be free. Be generous. Be ready. Be alert. Which is the point. Here's the point of the text according to, to where I'm. The main point is this, and you'll see it in your map. To be prepared for the coming of the Son of Man, Jesus, which can happen at any hour, disciples must live with anticipation for the return of the King of Kings. This is what it looks like to be ready. So many people want to know when, right? When will Jesus return, right? Why, why do you think that is? Because there, there's so many people who do. I mean, I, I talk to people, even to this day, they got charts. I think that's weird. Um, I really do. I think it's odd. I think you're focusing on the wrong thing. I think you're just focused on the wrong thing when you got charts talking about, well, I think this happened and this is Russia. and I think he's going to probably come back in the next five years. We don't know. So the text says, you don't know. You're like, I know. You don't know. Yeah, you. Whoever you might be, if you're in the room or listening online, you don't know when he'll return. But why would we want to know? I think the point is because it's so much more difficult to serve faithfully, to hope steadfastly, and to wait patiently when the timetable is uncertain. So much harder, right? Let me give you a little illustration of that. I used to, in, prior to being a pastor, you know, 14 some years ago, used to be a manager of, of a handful of different radio shacks. And I had great employees, but they were, they were young, and they, they liked to be silly, right? A lot of them were college students. And so I would always go to uh, a meeting twice a month in Erie. It was about a two and a half hour drive. And while I was away there, I never came back after that. It was always a long day. So they knew they had at least that day without me. Okay. So I call and I'm talking to my one guy, Jeff. And I'm like, Jeff, how's everything going? Because he was my assistant manager. Great guy. Works for Boeing now. Uh, how's it going? And he's, he's like, well, I had to send so-and-so home. I was like, why'd you have to send so-and-so home? He's like, and this is a new hire, a very new hire. And he's like, well, we were all joking around, talking about how impossible it is to drink a gallon of milk within an hour. Next thing I know, he's running down to Kmart. He's getting a gallon of milk. And uh, he's, he says he can do it. And, uh, and, and he, I said, okay. And I already know how this ends. I already know how this ends. And... Um, so he, he goes and he gets the gallon of milk and as you can imagine, he gets three quarters of the way through and the milk expands into his little tummy and it doesn't feel good. And so, as you can imagine what he does in the restroom, right? 
well, here's the real problem. <laughs> that's bad because I don't pay him to chug milk. But that's bad. But what's really bad is he leaves it a mess in the restroom. And he goes home. And so Jeff, I was like, oh, I said, well, that's, that's not good. And I was like, you're in charge, bud. So this is actually your problem. And I said, so here's the deal. I'm going to be landing there in about two hours. Because that's what I could look, I look at my GPS. I'm going to be there in about two hours. I said, if that thing's not so spick and span that I could eat off the floor, we're all going to have problems today. Now, he knew what was coming, right? So guess what? I got there. It was the cleanest our bathroom had ever been. Jeff, like a good leader, called this young man and said, you better come clean this because I'm not doing it. And it's going to be bad for all of us. And so he did. He came up, right? That's not what we want. When it comes to waiting for the king to return. Oh, I don't want to be cut into pieces. I'm just telling you, that won't drive worship. It just won't. Fear won't drive true heart repentance. Fear won't drive true worship and and anticipation. Can't wait till Jesus returns. You'll be in shame and you'll be shuddering. I hope you don't come today because I'm not ready. Be ready. That's the point of the text. Be ready today. When? Well, what about tomorrow? Yeah, be ready. What about next week? Be ready. You want to know what it looks like, as far as I can tell? It looks like when I would go away and I, on a business trip, and my daughter would be like, when are you coming home, Dad? And I would be like, I'm coming home on this day. And she's like, oh, that's like four days. I can't wait. Oh, will you bring me a present? I mean, like, right? She's anticipating. Well, there's this one time when I went to California, and I, I missed my plane. I had a layover in Chicago, good pizza, cold. It was really cold. And she was so bummed out I didn't get home on the day that she thought I would get home. And so you can imagine, she's like, mom, 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 mom. When's dad coming home? I thought he's coming home tonight. When I walked into that door, I felt like the king of kings. This girl came running to me. She was so excited to have her dad home. Now, I don't think we should make it silly and be like, we're all running to Jesus and sitting on his lap. That's ridiculous. But if you can't get the picture of what God's aiming for, he's aiming for those who are anticipating his return, not with fear, but with absolute joy. And that's the picture of a disciple. That's what it means to be awake. That's what it means to be alert. Why? Because the other one is just religion and law. It really is, right? Which is just behavioral change, right? It's not heart transformation. It's like, I got to make sure that I don't watch any PG-13 movies unless Jesus is being crucified because I got to be ready. I got to make sure that I don't say any bad words or listen to rock and roll. You might want to do that, but I'm going to tell you right now, it has nothing to do with being ready for the return of Christ. Nothing. Being ready for the return of Christ is loving him and loving what he loves. And guess what he loves? He loves sinners. He loves sinners. It means you're fulfilling the law of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving people. That's what it means to be ready. The way to stay away from sin is not to stay away from sinners. It's to stick close to Jesus Christ and to love. It's to love. That's the whole... Because here's the deal. Shame and fear cannot create an anticipating heart. You won't want Him to come. Right? And fear-mongering is ultimately ineffective. 
when it comes to creating a heart that loves Jesus. So here's my question. Are you anxiously anticipating the return of Christ? That's the question. If he were to return this evening, would you be happily welcoming him or shamefully fearful because you aren't ready? He's saying be ready. He's saying be ready. And I, I got to tell you, the more that you suffer, the more you'll long for him to return. You, you just will. This world's broken. I, I don't know why we, we cling on to it so much. It's just broken. And we think we're gonna, this will be the year we fix it. We've got election year coming up. I got news for you. No matter which way you vote, it's still going to be broke. Still going to be broke. Might be a little less broke. No, it'll still be broke. So why do, we, why do we keep living as if tomorrow's the day? We finally get it figured out. When we, when we have a king who's coming and he's saying, oh, and it's going to be good when I come. I mean, we're going to look at this passage a little more because there is a beautiful picture of grace in it. Let me tell you one last story before we get to that piece, though. I told you, lots of people want to know when Jesus is coming back. And there was a guy named Harold Camping. I don't know if you remember this guy. He's a false teacher. Don't listen to him. It's garbage. He would actually repent or at least say that he was. We'll let that in Jesus' hand. But he prophesied two times the exact date that Jesus was coming. Spoiler alert, he didn't come. You would all know because this would look a lot different. And um, when he came, I was working at Radio Shack in Punxsutawney. And, and here rolls up a Lincoln. And it's, you know what rap is? Like they wrap the car, and it's like doomsday. It's like, Ugh. that's the car he's pulling up in. And, and, and they get out, and they come into a radio shack because they have a big speech that's going to happen down at the Groundhog Plaza. <laughs> Punks had thought he's fun, man. And so here he comes, and he wants to talk about that, that Jesus is coming back. And he had a date. It was May 21st, 2011. Don't worry, you didn't miss it. <laughs> you didn't miss it. And that was the date that he was coming back. And so I'll never forget this young lady who worked for me. She was not walking with the Lord, but I had been doing just so much gospel work with this girl to, to tell her about the love of Christ. And here comes this, this cat, and he comes in, and he says, are you ready? And she's like, for what? <laughs> she had no clue what he's even talking about. He's wearing the t-shirt and everything for the return of Christ. And she's like, oh yeah, probably not. Probably not. I'm probably not ready for that. And uh, he goes, it's time to get ready. And, and she goes, okay. And uh, he goes, she, he's coming back on this day. And I hear this in my head's about the color of a tomato. Because I'm so upset that this is what's happening. And so I go in and I just kind of interrupt. And I'm like, hey, hey, nice to meet you. Which was a lie. And I would ask Jesus for forgiveness later. It wasn't nice to meet him. He was confusing this young girl. He was causing her to be terrified. And for what? For what? Now, she had reasons to be terrified. She had real reasons to be terrified because she was not trusting in Jesus Christ for her salvation. But, but giving a date wasn't helpful. I said, I don't even know if you believe that. I'm not recommending you do this. But I did. And he goes, oh, what do you mean? I said, if you really believe Jesus is returning on that day, do me a favor, write me a check, postmark it for the day after of his return for all your money that you have. And I knew he had bank. And I said... I'll never get to cash it if this is real. I had no check. I have no check. It's, it's foolishness. And that young lady, when he left, was so confused. 
That kind of thing, and it happens, it happens in churches around here, never makes lovers of Christ. That kind of thing never makes people long for Jesus to return. Why would I want him to return if he's just coming to, you know, wreak havoc on everyone and everything? The ultimate test of genuine faith is a demonstration of faith through a life devoted to love. Because you've received love. Because he loves you. I mean, that's what causes your heart to anticipate Jesus' return, right? Those who are awake of the truth of God's love, of his grace, of his mercy, of his forgiveness. Now listen, I want to be real clear. If you're not trusting in Jesus for your salvation, you ought to be afraid. You ought to tremble. You ought to. Why? Because the word is clear. But this is a day of mercy, Until the moment that Jesus returns, he calls everyone to repent and to believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? So that you can escape the wrath that is to come. Jesus says in in John 3.17, he says, listen, I didn't come to bring judgment. Why? Because you're already judged. You're already guilty. I came so that you might be saved from the wrath. So if you've not received Christ today, let today, that's part of being ready. It's, it's saying, Lord, I've lived a life that is not in accord with you. I'm turning from that life. I'm trusting in you. God, save me. God, forgive me. And guess what he will do? He happily does it. He happily does it. Why? Because he loves to save sinners. Because why? Because that's all there is. He loves to save those who are lost. And, but, but it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 37 again. Those who are anticipating his return, look at this. This is a strange turn of events. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Blessed. Oh, so happy. I like that version better. Blessed is such a religious word. Well, bless you and may God keep you and all that. And we make it a very religious word. But can I just tell you what blessed means? Happy. Happy delighted. Oh, so happy. So let's read it that way. Oh, so happy are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Why? Truly, I say to you, who? The master himself will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and he will serve them. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great picture. Well, he's coming. I'm gonna, we're going to have a feast Baby, it's time to celebrate. Why? Because the king has returned. Oh, and you were waiting for me. You were suffering. You were longing for my return. Here I am. Let's celebrate. How long, Jesus? Forever. This is the picture that's being painted here, right? What a lovely scene awaits those who are living with anticipation for the return of Christ. The master will be so moved by this faithfulness that instead of sitting down at the table and telling us all to get busy, he actually says, pull up a chair. Let me serve you. Oh, you've been laboring. You're weak. You're weary. You're heavy laden. Oh, do I got good news for you. I don't know if angels start serving in that moment, but I'm telling you right now, you want to be there in that moment as he lovingly serves us. This is such a gift of grace. This makes me long for his return. Why? Because I'm tired. I'm just straight up tired. I would love to receive some serving in that way. 
Hunt, prop my feet up, dirty boots and all. And I don't know what the food's going to be. I hope bacon's on the menu. Steak, filet mignon. But whatever it is, it could could be asparagus. And it's going to be stunning. Why? Because the main meal is the feast that Christ provides in himself. Picture it. Are you there? Are you there? Will you be there? If so, you'll be so happy. You're so happy to be there. We'll be there if you're awake, if you're trusting, if you're believing. It's faith alone. It's grace alone. It's just a, it's a gift. If anyone's told you anything else, they're lying to you. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. None of your good deeds are needed. That overflows from the life of believing. That is not a prerequisite for getting saved. It's got to help me. Right? So, Living with anticipation, being dressed for action, lovingly serving those around us with lights burning hot to the moment that Jesus returns, catching us loving one another and loving what he loves, which is sinners. That is the day. Oh, it'll be a good day. It'll be the best day when it finally comes to an end. We will be so happy as we sit down at the Feast for Failures. It's the title of the whole sermon series, right? It's a feast for, for failures. But why? Because we've all failed to measure up to the perfect law of God. We can't. We can't. We have failed the law of God in numerous ways. Jesus never failed. He never failed. His perfect life for our sinful life. It's the exchange, right? He takes our sinful record. He gives us his perfect record. He gives us his forgiveness. And he says, let me serve you. Oh, how many churches have this so backwards? They just keep driving the sheep to make sure because they think Jesus can't get it done, that you got to go do these things so that God will be happy with you. Can I just tell you right now, spoiler alert, God's happy with those who are trusting in Jesus Christ. Why? Because you have his perfect righteousness. And guess what that won't lead to? A life of debauchery. It'll lead to a life of love. My daughter was anticipating my return, not because I was going to catch her doing something wrong. It's because she loved her dad. Oh, how backwards we get this stuff. I even know some of you right now, just that so much religion has been drove into your head, you're having a hard time believing that he'll be happy with you. Of course, all these shiny, happy people that are here. There's no shiny, happy people here. There's sinners who are needing grace and forgiveness. That's it. It's all there is. And he sets a banquet up and he serves us. It's beautiful. This would be a feast unlike any other. It, it will not be a drag to be there on that day. It will not be filled with a bunch of uptight people. It will not have the flimsy, you know, little paper plates. No cheap little forks that when you stick it into the beef, it like breaks and now you got like plastic in your mouth. It's not going to be any of that. It's not going to be any of that. No one's going to be looking at the clock wondering when this thing's over. This would be a, a, such a, a succulent feast. I, I love to think about what it looks like on that day. It'll be full of laughter. It'll be full of love. And guess what else? Guess what won't be there? Sin, brokenness, suffering, 
pure, unadulterated jubilation and an intimate fellowship between God and man for all eternity as we celebrate God, the God of all grace, who is King Jesus. That's what it looks like. It's when this beautiful promise will be fulfilled. Listen to this. This is found in Isaiah 55, 1 through 2. He says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. That's a strange phrase. (laughs) You got no money. Yeah, come, buy and eat. I ain't got no cash. I know. I know. Come anyway. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Wouldn't this be great? I, I, would, I would love this. If um, What's the, the Italian place, Jess, we like to go to? What is it? Delalo. Someone else said it. They got all the meats and the cheeses and the olives and all the goodies, right? I wish that they would give me a shopping spree there. I wish they would give me a big old, like, I could just run around and grab off the shelf and then throw a party for all of you. They're not going to. But this is the picture that's being painted here. Think about it. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread. Why your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, he says, and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. He's saying, have a taste for that of what's to come. Long for it, right? When Jesus comes, we will eat and we will drink without end. It's going to be awesome. Hunger and thirst will be a distant memory, right? If sorrows have robbed you of your sleep, and I know they have. I know some of you are suffering in ways that has robbed you of your sleep. You're hurting. If pain has, has made even normal days hard, right, Meg? Yeah. If death has taken one of the ones you love, if life has sometimes seemed stacked against you, if you can't shake the restless ache for more, then come and eat with Jesus. That's the point. Anticipate Him, right? This world may be the only world you've known, but but know this, there's a better world that's coming, and it's for sure, and it's been promised, and you can trust Him. Why? Because Christ never lies. This is the picture we're given. How can we be ready? In short, here, it's, this is it. This is what we aim to do here at For the City Church every Sunday. We, we seek to preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ. We seek and aim to sing the good news of Jesus Christ, to pray the good news of Jesus Christ, to be reminded that this, the table's set. All we do is receive. We come and we receive. Why? Because the more we let our hearts and our minds soak in the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, the more that we see that the the gospel begins to saturate our hearts and our minds. And and we start to begin to understand this is just a taste of what's to come. And when I say the good news of Jesus Christ, I mean this specifically, that Jesus came to save sinners. 
He came to seek you out. And here's the thing. You and I have all rebelled against God. Even if you grew up in a Christian home with a Christian set of mom and dad who love you, and we praise God for that. That's the design and the plan we want every kid to grow up with here at this church. But that's not everyone's reality. But even if that was your reality, you have sinned and rebelled against a holy God. Therefore, you and I, we're guilty. And, And God, in His kindness, from, from the moment that Adam and Eve rebelled against his good rule and his good reign has had a plan to bring us home. And that plan, you see it unfold in Genesis 3. It's the rise of the gospel when God declares there will be one who comes. And yes, Satan, you will, you will strike him on the head. And, and, but he's, listen, you're going you're gonna to inflict a wound on the cross. But this Savior is going to actually tramp on your head. And it's going to be a, a fatal wound. Well, okay, what does all of that mean for you today? What it means for you today is that Jesus Christ has come and lived the life that you and I could never live perfectly. Perfectly. And he willingly went and he, he died a death you and I deserve to die. Why? Because he loves you. And on the cross, in that moment, what he did is he received the sin of the world upon himself. And in that moment, he received the wrath of the Father in your place. Why? So that you might receive a lavish love. How? By faith. By faith, by trusting in Jesus Christ, by repenting. And repenting is not a work that you do. It's a gift that God gives. When you see that Jesus is beautiful, stunningly On the pages of Scripture, what you'll do is say, oh God, I know I have failed you miserably. I love you. That is repentance. And it's a gift that's given by God. So he says, repent and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you do, because Jesus had no sin, he resurrected from the grave on the third day, defeating Satan's sin and death. And now guess what he gives you? He gives you himself. He gives you his perfect record. He gives you his perfect righteousness. And what does he take from you? All of your sin. All of your sin. Your past, your present, the sin you're going to commit today, he takes it upon himself. He goes to the grave and he resurrects to new life. And all who believe in him resurrect to new life with him. And so now we can anticipate the return. Why? Because he's not coming back to give his children a beating. He's coming back to give his children a blessing. And guess what that blessing is? Himself. See, the beauty of of the gospel, the beauty of heaven, is it's where God is found. And that's where God dwells with his people forever in the way it was always meant to be. That's your future if you're trusting in Christ. So how do you stay alert? How do you stay ready? Worship. Worship. With your time, your talent, your treasure, collectively, Here's the thing. We need one another. We need one another to help stay awake. We need one another to come along and say, listen, bro, come on. I haven't seen you in church for a while. I'm not guilting you. Just come. Just come. Come hear the good news again. Come receive. Come hear the message of hope. This is why there should be no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians just watching online. Who's going to help you stay awake? We need each other And here's the thing, Jesus is infinitely better than anything this world has to offer. And my prayer will be, God help us believe. God help us believe. Join me in prayer.
Father, we thank you that the world to come is a world we want because that is where you live, where you rule, and where you reign. Lord, thank you that you are a good master. You're a master who comes and serves us. Jesus, thank you for coming and serving us in your life and in your death. Lord, thank you for resurrecting. Father, help us to believe. Help us to stay alert. Help us to stay ready. Lord, your word says that in in the end times, that because lawlessness will increase, that the love of many will grow cold. Father, I pray that no matter how dark it gets, our love burns hotter and brighter for you. That our love for one another would be a testimony to the city of Greensburg. That they would see how we love one another. That they would know that we are your disciples because in that moment that we would work through any of the conflicts we might have showing, showing that we're a different people. And we're a different people because you called us out. You called us to, to be children of light to live in the truth and in the grace that has been provided. So, Father, I pray you would help for the City Church to do that. Lord, that you would help us to love you, that you would help us to love one another as we're reminded of your great love. We ask this in Christ's beautiful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the city exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.